This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. Also from Dogs 24-7, my guys Kip and Rusty. Uh, We're here to talk about a couple of things. And uh, the number one is Georgia has a 2020 football schedule. All right, we learned that Georgia will play Arkansas uh, to kick off the season on September 26th, a little trip to uh, Fayetteville. First time I, I don't I can't really recall the last time George was actually in Fayetteville. They played Arkansas in Little Rock the last time they played them on the road. But uh, learned the rest of the 2020 schedule, and we're going to get to that. Georgia also got a commitment in-state defensive back, a little bit of a sleeper type guy, Javon Bullard, uh, committed out of Milledgeville, and uh, we're going to have that for you too. But guys, let's jump right into this schedule. And Rusty, I know where you're going to want to start with this. So take it away with uh, with this 2020 schedule. I mean, you cannot go past three weeks of Auburn, Tennessee, and Alabama. And listen, everybody is looking at different angles for their teams. They cover fans for their teams. I'm, I'm telling you, that is three physical football games that Georgia's about to play. And, you know, you, you would say, hey, look, well, Georgia's getting Auburn and Tennessee at home in normal years. You know, but you don't. We don't know if there's going to be fans there. What type of atmosphere? All we know is between those lines and that hundred yards, Auburn, a team that is desperate, desperate to beat Georgia, Tennessee. We don't have to mention the the the, the rivalry there and, and and the games there and the connections between those two staffs and the recruiting against each other very hard. And then you throw in Alabama. Now the back end of the schedule, yes, is is. Um, is, is very, I would say, favorable for Georgia after the Florida game, I think. But you look at those three weeks, Jake, and the biggest thing I think about those games, those three games are are before November. So Georgia, I mean, they're sitting there midway through October. By October 17th, Georgia could be in a driver's seat or they could be in a big, big hole to start the year. It's not going to be that typical 4-0 and get into the, the meat of the schedule. They go play Arkansas, and all due respect to Sam Pittman and that team, they should roll through Arkansas. They come back and play Auburn, Tennessee, and Alabama. That is three physical, 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 physical football games. I've got my own thoughts on that and a little bit of a silver lining, I think, that, that once I've thought about it a little bit. But, Kip, I want to get your impression first. What, what, is, uh, what kind of stands out to you about the schedule? Well, first, just, just week one, I think, you know, that, that initial line came out just before we recorded the show tonight for, for Georgia at Arkansas. That opening line is 24. I, I expected it to be around that because they usually play it pretty easy, but – 
I think I expect Georgia to uh, to cover that easily. I also just looking at the schedule overall, and just, you know Georgia adding them and, and being able to to open with them. I think it worked out great. We were all talking about the possibility of Georgia and Alabama maybe being the first game, and, and now you know knowing that they get multiple games to prepare for what we most of us expect to be the toughest opponent Georgia faces all season. I mean, getting them, you know, in, in later in the season and getting them after a game like Arkansas, I think it just works out outstanding for Georgia. I mean, getting them game four, uh, I think, you know, whoever is starting at quarterback, whether it's Jamie Newman, if it's JT Daniels, I mean, now they're, they're going to be tested. They're going to be – Potentially, if it's the same starter, road tested as well. Just being able to open up in Fayetteville. And just to answer your earlier question, that last time they played in Fayetteville was uh, 2009. Uh, it was a, a shootout, 52-41 win uh, for, for, for Georgia over uh, Bobby Petrino. And That's so, right. I think Richard Samuel had an 80-yard <laughs> touchdown run in that game. Yeah, and so I do expect this one to be somewhat high scoring as well. I just don't see – Arkansas's defense being able to really, uh, you know, hold Georgia's offense and keep them off the field. And while Georgia's defense could be the best in the country, I do think if you're looking at Arkansas, you know, pulling back and kind of looking at the roster overall, it does seem like that on offensively that's going to be their strength this year, just bringing in a guy with, you know, experience at the position and, and having Kylan Hill – maybe the best running back in the SEC back there and, and having a guy that, you know, Georgia fans should know and Felipe Franks at quarterback. I mean, it's still, you got experience back there. I think that, you know, will give them at least, you know, a puncher's chance in the game. And just looking at that week one schedule overall, the, the game that kind of does stand out to me is, is Tennessee at South Carolina. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, not to put too much on either team, but, that's basically an SEC East elimination game right there, right out the gate. You know, I don't – obviously, whoever loses that game isn't <laughs> mathematically eliminated, but, you know, they're going to be behind the eight ball big time, I think. And so, whoever the coach is on that losing side, you know, the, the seat will get a little bit warmer. And so, I, I think that game kind of stands out to me as maybe the the best week one matchup, uh, you know, in the, the schedule release today. You know, to seeing Will Muschamp and, and Jeremy Pruitt both trying to get their teams that, you know, take a step in the right direction this year, that one's going to be tough. You know, I, I think uh, a lot of people expect Tennessee to, be, you know, make big improvements this year. I, I just – South Carolina hosting them. That, that, I mean, that could be – that's a that's a tough pull for both of them. And I, I think probably the closest matchup of week one overall just at first glance. All right, so when I look at that three-game stretch, and it's the first thing that jumps out to me, too, I got to thinking about it, guys. And I think if you're ever going to have that three-year stretch, I think it's a good uh, – three-game stretch, I think it's a good year because you're looking at Tennessee, and they've kind of started slow under Jeremy Pruitt. They've got some holes to fill on the defensive side of the ball. They've got some holes to fill at some skill positions. I think Georgia's a much more talented team. Rusty's right. That is a physical football game, but it's early in the year. And so you're not having to play three physical football teams in November or late in the year. You've got them early, which you should be fresher. There's a little bit of a different preseason camp vibe and 
you know, listen, these guys are chomping at the bit to get after it. I do think coming off of you know, playing that Auburn game, coming off of a road trip uh, to Arkansas might be a little tough. But then Auburn, you look at them too. Both lines of scrimmage pretty depleted by the NFL draft. Lose Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, Nick Coe off that defensive line. And, you know, that's the first one of the three games straight. So I'm, I've gotten them a little out of order here. But uh, offensive line, they, they lost some significant guys there. Got some really good skill players coming back, but also missing some guys in the back half. So I think that, that Georgia, a team that brings back one side of the ball in a very whole fashion, right? I mean, that defense is whole. I mean, they've got they've got contributors back in the defensive line. They've got contributors back at linebacker. Nine out of ten guys that played significant snaps last year, a loaded secondary, and they're going to get a chance to go up against those two teams. And and yeah, they're going to give up home field advantage a little bit because of the lack of fans in the stands. And I know teams are going to pipe in noise and try to create a little bit of an advantage there. But ultimately, the energy and all that stuff's just not going to be on the home team side and, and the momentum and all that. And then they go to Alabama and they get the, the the script flipped a little bit. Now getting Alabama in week four is probably a little little worse from an offensive standpoint. Uh, you know they'll have had chances to get that get their offense ironed out, get a quarterback situation settled. Bryce Young may be a little bit more ready to play, uh, although he missed a lot of time not not getting spring practice. But uh, you know I, th- I think that that you know that three game stretch in a normal year would be really, really tough. I think it would be in, – in the late year, it would be really, really tough. And it is tough. But I don't – I think Georgia might be – have a chance to catch those teams at a good time considering how this Georgia team is made up. You guys have any opinions on the fact that Georgia's going to be away from home for like 42 days? They won't play – they'll go 42 days between playing a home game, which will be Tennessee on October the 10th, and then I think playing – uh, I want to say Mississippi State on November the 21st. Rusty, that's nuts. I mean, they've been doing that, you know, that month deal. You know, Jake, I commend you for trying to sugarcoat that three games <laughs> to, to where you – to have the angle you took. But I'll tell you this, on, on, the, on the thought process you used there, I'll use it on this. If you're going to have a year where you're away from home 42 game, 42 days, this is the year to do it. I agree. Because you're not walking into a normal, you know, I know Kirby, I asked him the other night, you know, what do you think about Alabama? And he was very clear. They got a really loud radio and they can make it loud in there. They can, but it's still not that environment of a hundred thousand people. You know, Sanford Stadium's not going to do it as well. So if you're going to go a season where you're playing away from Sanford Stadium for 42 games, 42 days, this is the year for that. But it's not ideal for Georgia at all, but I think this is the year that you say, okay, let's just deal with it this year and move on. But that's still a hell of a long time. You know, the one thing you talk we talk about, pretty sure you're not going to have prospects there. You know, I, I don't, I can't see it. They're already extended the dead period of September 30th. If I'm correct, Kip. Um, you know, so they're already you're out there. So, uh, you know, home games are not going to be what they are for many, many reasons. But in terms of recruiting, they are huge, huge pieces. And uh, right now, I just cannot see prospects being on campus. So, again, if you're going to go 42, 42 days of that one, this is the year to do it. I feel like you're forcing my hand by saying I sugarcoated that. I'm just not very, I'm just not all that high on Tennessee and Auburn, especially early in the year. Yeah, yeah and I get I, that. I, just, I mean, I do get that. I'm, I, and, look, Georgia, you, Georgia's got questions, too. I mean, they lost a ton on offense. What are they going to do right. there? I will say this, and, Jake, the coach in you knows this. 
defenses are so far ahead of offenses early in the year. And if you're going to talk about those early games, I mean, you look, I've said it. I'm not going to back off of it now. I think this could be the best defense that Kirby Smart's had at Georgia, and it might be the best defense that Kirby Smart has at Georgia. Uh, they've got all the right pieces. They've got the right depth. They don't have the NFL superstars, but I'm telling you right now, like the, the high, high, you know, there's not, you can always look at this and go, look, regardless of the guy, DeAndre Baker, you knew he was going to be high. Roquan Smith, you knew he was going to be high. All those guys, uh, you knew those were going to be really, really high draft picks. But you look at this group of football players, very, very experienced, upper-class guys. It's hard to do in today's world. And they've got all the pieces of the puzzle right now as camp starts on the defensive side. So, for a split second while all of that was going on, when when it popped up that George is going to have Halloween off, and, I, man, I was – my heart of hearts was pulling for Georgia and Florida – to be late November, maybe last game of the season for all the marbles. Didn't turn out that way. They're still going to play it close to that November the 7th. Uh, any thoughts on the Florida game being moved back a little bit? I mean, Kip, I, th- I feel like they, they wanted to make sure they got both teams their normal bye week before that. They did the same thing for Alabama, LSU. But, you know, that, that Florida game in a lot of ways seems like kind of the last stand uh, for for a, a team for Georgia, if Georgia can get through that early season slate and then get by Florida, it, I don't want to say smooth sailing because South Carolina obviously jumped up and bit Georgia last year, but that that those last three games after Florida are are very manageable. I think other than Alabama playing at LSU the the week after that, I mean the Florida Georgia game really. I mean I know Georgia Alabama is huge, but I'm just saying as far as how interesting that game is for the conference. I think Florida, Georgia is at the top of the list. And you mentioned the scheduling, you know, it being a week later than normal. Uh, I don't know the the Jaguars schedule for the week before that, but I know that they play the next day at 1 p.m. So Jacksonville is going to be playing in that same stadium, you know, at 1 p.m. the next day. And as of now, TIA Bank Field, I mean, their their plan is in place for both games to have be at 25% capacity. So, I mean, obviously that could change tomorrow. It could change before the night's over. But, you know, as far as us looking toward all these games, not expecting really fans to beat any of these games, you know, TIA Bankfield right now, their plan is in place to, to have, have fans in the stadium, to have, I think, about 17,000 fans at, at the game until the conference or the schools tell them that they can't. So, I, I just – that I mean, that's really fascinating to me that you, you could end up having – you know, maybe this Florida-Georgia game or Georgia-Florida game, as it's supposed to be called, might be, the you know, the only game of the regular season that actually has fans in attendance. We'll see, if, you know, if they're able to pull that off. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely fascinating. Obviously, both teams having the week off before as they normally do. And then, you know, lo- looking back at the schedule again, you know, I believe last year where they have five teams that had a bye week before they played Georgia, I think. This year, is it's just two. You know, looking at the opponents, only Missouri. Missouri is the only other team to have a bye week before the, the, they host Georgia on November 14th, I believe. So, you know, that that's another interesting aspect that now it's, you know, people. some people think that that bye week helps, you know, the opposing team, you know, get better prepared for an opponent. Well, you know, there are only two teams that are going to be able to do that against Georgia this year in Florida and Missouri. So I, I just think that's 
That's interesting. It's also interesting that it's back-to-back. So Georgia's going to be playing a team coming off the bye in back-to-back weeks. So just just some early thoughts, things that kind of stood out to me whenever I was, you know, looking at the schedule. And, and if there's fans in the stands of the Georgia-Florida game, it's, it's going to be, you know, the storyline of, of the fall. Tell you what, if I end up traveling to these things and uh, – don't feel comfortable getting on a flight. I haven't really even started to research that yet. But, I mean, you're talking 24 hours round trip to Missouri, 24 hours round trip to Arkansas, long trip to Kentucky, long trip to Florida, fairly long trip to, uh, to uh, Tuscaloosa, and a kind of a long trip to uh, – not a long trip, but like a six, six-and-a-half-hour round trip to Columbia, South Carolina. It's going to be a wild year. I'm going to be spinning some tires out there. But don't even know yet if they're going to let media in the press box for these things. And – and uh, don't know how we'll be traveling to them if they do, but uh, really interested to find all that out. And obviously, Georgia started uh, spring, uh, sorry, preseason practice today. We got some got some uh, photos up for you over there at Dogs Twenty Four Seven, and also at Dogs Twenty Four Seven, fifty percent off everybody the whole month of August. Fifty percent off for our tenth anniversary. Uh, I believe the start date was August the sixteenth. 2010 it is now august of 2020 and uh, you can join us and get six months for free when you sign up for a full year uh, it comes out to be four dollars and 48 cents a month for all the vip stuff that we have for you expert chats x's and o's breakdowns and the best of them all dog treats the best recruiting scoop scoop out there and and uh, rusty and kip do a tremendous job of recruiting on the other side of the break we're going to talk about recruiting in georgia landing a uh, an in-state prospect Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, guys, you know a lot more about this guy than, than I do. I've watched his film. I'm impressed. Kind of reminds me of a, of a Devod Wilson-type guy, guy that recently transferred from Georgia uh, back to his home state of Florida. He's going to play at Central Florida. But uh, let's talk about Javon Bullard, Rusty Bullard. What do you know about him? How big of a target was he for Georgia kind of behind the scenes? They offered on June the 7th, and, um, you know, he kind of picked up this spring, one of those, and, it's a situation right now. You know, I know that a lot of people are asking us on the board about him. Um, I tried to go see Javon twice, and uh, Baldwin was shut down once for COVID, and the second time his school district was shut down for COVID. So it's one of those deals where, you know, I have a chance to see him in person, so I go off what I know. I know that uh, – I did talk to someone today that had a verified height on him at 5'11". So he fits the uh, he fits what Georgia just about has to have with Kirby Smart. I mean, that is the going thing now with his height and uh, the length, you know, just about five. It's crazy because we've all been doing this so long. You sit here and think that, you know, a 5'11 corner is, is about the bare minimum now. I mean, you, you better have some length on you if you're going to play for Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and, these guys. In fact, I talked to an SEC coach, uh, I would say a month or month and a half ago, and he's an assistant coach, and we were talking defense, and he told me, he said, look, I'll take a 6-1 corner that can run a 4-6-5 over a 5-9 and a half 
that runs a 4-4 every day of the week. Every day of the week. He said just because the length, you can make up for that uh, little bit of top-end speed, uh, you know, on, on, on pass breakups and coverage and tighten windows and those types of things. So, you know, this is a guy that fits the mold. I know everybody's kind of wondering, you know, was this a plan B? It was not a plan B guy. I mean, this is a guy – listen, Georgia's got to have probably a total of five. Now, how they do that, I don't know. They've got, they've got uh, David Daniel now and Javon Bullard. So, so that tells me I would say probably three spots left. Now, there's some big-time targets out there, so don't make me make a big decision. They've got at least three or four major targets still out there. You look at Terry and Arnold, you look at Nylon Green, you look at uh, Nugget Warren, and you look at uh, Kamari Lassiter, those guys. So to look at if Georgia could get all those, they would make it work somehow. But they got to get at least three of those guys in any shape, fashion, or form, I think, uh, down the stretch because they're dangerously, dangerously thin at corner. I don't think people realize if Stoke – I'll tell you this. I have no idea if he will. But based off some initial conversations I've had, if Tyson Campbell continues to do what he's doing, and I think he's going to have a really good year, Tyson Campbell, he could roll out. So you could, Eric Stokes could be gone. Tyson Campbell could be gone. DJ Daniel could be gone. You start thinking of some things like what is Georgia – by the way, Georgia opens with Clemson next year. Let me just put that out there. So – you start looking at that DB room and knowing that, hey, they got to have some guys keep the Ringo nows out for the year, Jake. That's what we're hearing there. And uh, so, you know, that DB room, th this is a very, very important class. Uh, Georgia, in any shape, fashion, or form, of those guys, I think, have got to hit three of those four remaining targets left. And and, and definitely got to have another safety. So, Terry and Arnold, to me, becomes a big time, even a bigger uh, a target. Rusty, I wrote a story last year when, when Sam Pittman was recruiting the way he was on the offensive line and, and how these coaches who recruit like that, it's obviously it's a good thing. I'm not sitting here saying it's a bad thing, but there, there is bad that kind of comes with the good sometimes. And the bad here is the fact that when you recruit like that, you got to keep it coming because those guys aren't there for very long. And, and Tyson Campbell's an example of that. Then we got a, a Juco guy Perfect. and DJ yep. Daniel True. to help right away, and he's only going to be there two years. So you're 100% right. I mean, when you look at the scholarship distribution chart of where Georgia is, and, and I've made my own spreadsheet of that, it's, it, gets, it gets pretty thin pretty quick after, after this coming season if the wrong guys leave. And it's already thin as far as safety depth for them, but, but they, they've, got, they've got guys coming in that can kind of do some things there. So it's very important that they fill out this class and get enough guys yeah. And let me let me let me add. Oh, by the way, and we'll talk about this probably every other podcast. Oh, by the way, there could be a open game in January for transfers. So I mean, Georgia can can have they can give it and they can take it. I mean, I don't know what what they're looking at, but you know they could lose some people in their in their in their room. And uh, DB would be a position they could not afford to lose anyone. But also, you look at that, and who knows. Could Georgia take one uh, from someone else? I don't know, but you know we got to tuck that transfer rule because everybody I have talked to, every coach I have talked to, no matter SEC or ACC, has told me that's going to happen and that's going to change the game. Gotcha, uh, Kip. Any thoughts on Javon Bullard as a prospect and and kind of where he stacks up with with uh, what he can do at Georgia? What roles can he play? 
first off, I want to start. I want to agree with Rusty. I, I think that if if there's football, if they're if they're playing enough games, I think Stokes and, and Campbell are, are, are definitely gone. If, as long as they're out there healthy and playing on the field and putting up film, I, I think they're both gone. I think Georgia's replacing its top three cornerbacks. It's replacing, you know, a, a safety in Richard LeCount. And, I mean, if you kind of look at Bullard's game, I mean, versatility is what stands out. And you mentioned Devod Wilson, and Devod definitely brought that to Georgia while he was there. You know, I still look at a, a guy like Richard LeCount. I mean, just, just physically what I see on film. And that film is not – it's not the easiest film to evaluate from a cornerback perspective, and that's, I mean, that's true quite often. When you're looking at high school prospects that project a cornerback at the next level, I mean, they're, they're often not playing cornerback because you put a guy like that at cornerback and the team just, they just know to avoid that side. He's going to probably be the best player, you know, the, on that defense or in that secondary, and it just makes it easier for, for them to just – you know, hit the other side and, and play away for him. So there is a lot of film of him, of Javon Bullard at safety, a lot of wide receiver film as well, which, again, shows off his overall versatility. But, you know, just the film that we can see from him and the teams that, the, you know, they're they're playing against in the offense they run, I, I do see a lot of what I saw at Richard LeCount, you know, in high school, just a guy that is a willing tackler, uh, you know, can, can – patrol the back end and, and keep them from making a big play, which is what Richard's done countless times at Georgia, a guy that's just, you know, tracks the tracks the football, you know, attacks the football, seems to have the, the, the size and speed to, to play corner, but also has the ability to, to potentially plug in its star down the road because – he looks like, you know, he can, he can line up. He can rush the quarterback if you need him to. He can do whatever you need him to do. And, and Georgia loves guys like that, that regardless of what you, you ask of them, they're not going to say anything. They're just going to get up there and, and, and try to make it happen. And, and so I, I think, you know, it's, it's very intriguing, you know, his overall ability. I think that, like Rusty said, if we would have been able to see this guy in the spring and summer, we'd have a much better idea uh, of you know overall what what he brings to the table, but just looking at that film, and he's just a guy that makes plays on on, on the football, regardless of what position he's at. And so, I mean, I I don't think if you're Georgia, you you want to have to really use those spots, those transfer spots at at cornerback. If if you have to, you'd rather be able to to bring in enough guys to uh, you know to fill that from the high school ranks and. As we've said about this cycle in, in the previous shows earlier this summer, is that Georgia's got a chance to once again sign an elite class. It's just that margin for error is just just not what it was before, just because of Tony Grimes reclassifying. You know, a guy like James Williams picking in-state Miami. I think that right now Georgia's got a bat close to a thousand to kind of get the secondary class they want. But I I think definitely getting Javon Bullard allows them to at least know, hey, you know, we got a couple guys who can who can play in the secondary and, and play physical football like we want to play, and, and now we can need to go out there and see if we can, you know, land, land a cover corner or two and land a dynamic safety prospect in Terry and Arnold, who, in my, I mean, he might be the, the best defensive back in the country in this class. I just – that guy's film 
is as good as it gets. And he's got everything you look for in a defensive back. So when we've talked about him on Dogs 24-7 and, and on this podcast countless times, that guy is an elite prospect, in my opinion, and and one of the best in the country. So they, he's a guy they're going to fight on to the end. And, and it's still good news today getting an in-state guy and a guy that, you know, South Carolina, Tennessee, 20 other schools that offered as well. And, and definitely winning an SEC battle in your own state is, is great news for the Georgia coaching staff. And uh, if I can toot your horns a little bit, nobody's going to have it covered better than you, these two guys in terms of the rest of this class. There's a lot of meat left on the bone for Georgia. Uh, you know, probably upwards of somewhere around 10 more commitments. And uh, preseason practice has started. Georgia has a schedule. I mean, it's it's all set up. And we got to keep our fingers crossed that the trends can hold and that uh, and that we can get a football season in and, and get to uh, – Get to a point where where uh, we're, we're entertained by the things we love to be entertained by, and kind of have our cake and eat it too. Because I think a lot of people have made some made a lot of sacrifices here in the first uh, three quarters of, uh, of of 2020. It's been a rough year for a lot of people, and I just want to encourage everybody out there to be safe, uh, comply with with CDC guidelines, and and do your part to let's get this season going. And uh, we, we hope that everybody will. If you're a student on UGA's campus, hope, uh, hope everything goes well with moving in. And just be safe. Just do the smart thing, and, and uh, let's all get be in this thing together. Uh, but for this episode, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. And you guys can take it easy. Mm-hmm.